please uh, help me welcome up to the stage David Acord, who is the uh, uh, David. You're the, the uh, supervising sound editor and the sound designer on the film, correct? Yes, on nine, nine. and Matthew Wood, supervising sound editor on the film. So that's pretty much all of Star Wars that you're going to see. Um, this is a little unusual. I've never done a panel for a film that I haven't seen and that we can't talk about. So, <laughs> but these guys uh, have a very, very long, rich history with Star Wars. And um, so I, we, there's, there's a lot of stuff for us to talk about. And full disclosure, I've known these guys for 20 years now. Oh my gosh, yes. Yeah, uh, I, I used to uh, run Skywalker Sound. So I've known, I've known these guys for a long time and we worked together and they still agreed to come out and do this thing. So uh, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm honored to be sharing the stage with them. But let's talk a little bit about your history with Star Wars. Matt, you started when you were a baby on Star Wars, right? Uh, like was I started at uh, at Skywalker Sound in uh, 1990, so coming up on 30 years, yeah. So it was uh, it was 17 when I started there. And what did you start working on? Uh, the first thing I did for George Lucas was the well, I worked in the video games department, testing video games when I first started there. And then I worked. He wanted to come up with a new technology to how to do the new Star Wars movies that he was planning, the prequels. Uh, and we did. Uh, we I worked on this development team of this program called Soundroid, which was a nonlinear audio editing system that he wanted to put together at Skywalker to complement his edit droid system for, vi uh, for uh, video editing. And so we used that technology on this show called the Young Indiana Jones Chronicles for ABC. So we did it was like a whole like history kind of tie in with Indiana Jones. And so that was the first thing I did there. And then you, and then you obviously you worked on the prequels. Yes, that was sort of our testing ground to make the the prequel movies. He wanted to make sure the technology was in place for him to do it. To basically for him to be able to change things up until the last minute, he wanted to have audio editing and video editing to be completely nonlinear, and so he could have everything open to the very last minute to change and and develop his projects as in visual effects wise at ILM. Same thing. So that was kind of a our in the trenches testing for that. And once he felt comfortable doing that, then he kind of agreed that he was going to do new prequels, and that was starting about the mid-90s. I started on working with Ben Burt on those, and then traveled on into these new ones. Yeah, David, your history? Uh, Matt hired me on episode two, Attack of the Clones, in 2001, I think, late yeah. 2001. Uh, that was my first gig at Skywalker as an, uh, an apprentice editor. I was apprenticing under Matt and Ben Burt. Um, and then, yeah, just kind of stayed with Star Wars since. So, uh, how different is it working for J.J. Abrams than George Lucas? Uh, they're, yeah, their styles are very different. I mean, it, you know, it's been, since we've, the company has been part of Disney now, uh, there's been a lot of new directors that come in, came in, um, and, and that's, for us, has been fun to watch you know, a director come in with a new vibrancy and, and they want to be part of Star Wars and we're part of that sort of toolbox to make that work for them. Both Industrial Light and Magic and Skywalker Sound are there to make the movie sound and look like what people are, you know, are familiar with what, what Star Wars is going to sound and look like. So uh, we've had a whole myriad of folks come in like J.J. Abrams and Ron Howard and Gareth Edwards and who else? Gosh, uh, Ryan Johnson, <laughs> Ryan Johnson. and, and uh, you know Dave Filoni and all these uh, directors come in, but yeah, JJ's style is um, very much. You know, we work on uh, it's very f frenetic and and intense, and we work 
kind of almost on instinct because everything's just very, uh, the ideas are coming really fast and, and furious. And, and George is a way, more of a methodical kind of yeah. linear make, maker of films. And, and a lot of it comes together in post. But, um, you know, the, it's just, they're, they're very different styles, but we have to accommodate for all those, you know, different directors as we do as yeah, a service industry. Filmmakers come to the, into the Star Wars family to make their Star Wars movie. They're all very excited because they generally are pe fans, people right? that grew up with Star Wars, kind right. of yeah. like we did. And so they just are so excited to play in that Star Wars sandbox. And, uh, and uh, they, 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 want, they bring their own um, uh, filmmaking style to that along with their passion for the, for the, for the franchise. And, uh, and we're there to kind of help guide them uh, from, from a sound perspective. Uh, keep things uh, in the same pastiche, in the same line of the other Star Wars movies, everything in the same vein, so it doesn't go too far off, you know, uh, off the rails. It can't be sounding like Star Trek if it's Star Wars. You know. Even though we've we've also worked on Star Trek too, so we got to be careful That's about. That. Yeah, don't mix up those sound yeah. effects libraries. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and you guys also uh, did the Mandalorian. Yes. Right. Yeah, that's been really fun. Yeah, D Dave that's and I uh, supervised it. We have a, a mixer that we brought up through the ranks. It's Skywalker named Bonnie Wild. Uh, incredible sound mixer came out of England and then has worked with us through the mix tech department at Skywalker. And now she's mixing for us. Um, but it's, yeah, an episodic show that Dave Filoni, who came through the Clone Wars series, which was a, a wonderful series we did with, with George Lucas. Uh, we did 100 plus episodes of that right after we finished Revenge of the Sith. And now, now Filoni's directing that in live action and with John Favreau, who's a huge Star Wars fan. Yeah. So they've both come in and they've made this, this really wonderful show. And it's kind of kicking off our streaming for Disney Plus. And we've got other shows coming uh, down the pipe as well. But um, yeah, it's been a fun thing to see that, you know, the fans really are into Baby Yoda and all that. <laughs> I remember it was the first yeah. time we saw that early on, we were like, People gonna like this, like this Baby Yoda, because it, it, it's it's super cute, um, and they didn't want to do any CG, like they just want to keep it the you know the classic sort of puppet look, and I, I applaud them for that. But you just have no idea how fans are gonna react to 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 anything new, or you know. Unique. Are Star Wars fans mercurial at all? Do they have any? <laughs> that's weird. I don't know if they. Yeah, that's funny. But yeah, we're very pleased. Everybody seemed to like it. Yeah, but nobody has a bad thing to say about sound. Come on, I mean, yeah. you know. <laughs> um, so, uh, and you got, and Matt, you had an incredibly busy year because you kept that relationship with Ryan Johnson who directed, uh, uh, episode uh Knives Out. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he did episode eight and Knives Out. Yeah. So, so Matt was doing Knives Out and Rise of Skywalker and Mandalorian all at the same time. Yes. There's a lot of delegation that happens, but yes, but there's a lot, but yes, there, uh, those, those projects are all, uh, I, I supervise as well, but, um, you know, when Ryan was so amazing to work with on on Last Jedi, and uh, and he's you know, all, as I said, coming new directors coming in and they having their own sort of take on what they wanted to do with the with the franchise, and um, he had it very well planned out, and it was very methodical and 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 not a lot of overtime, and just a really pleasing person to work with. And so when Knives Out came in, we all just jumped on it. We wanted to do it again, and and he had a really tight cast. He shot it very fast and. He wrote the whole thing himself and you know directed, so that's always fun when you have somebody that's got so, such familiarity with the with the content. And so I, I was my main job on that was running around the world, recording all the actors for the ADR and sort of helping him with that and and bringing that all back to Skywalker to mix. And, that's a huge um, cast too. Yeah, it was a very big, uh, very uh, big ensemble that were all super stoked to work with him. So that was that, the energy was great on that film. 
Well, I want to ask you about that because, um, I mean, there's, there, we can talk about kind of the, the, the legacy of technological innovation in, this, in the Star Wars films, but one of the things that you were the first person I was really aware of uh, doing, you know, remote ADR uh, in, oh, yeah. in anywhere in the world on any device possible. So can you can talk about a little bit about, about uh, your, your, your crazy uh, uh, ADR situations on, on the films? Well, yeah, so on these films, you know, we, we as Dave and I, we split the sound design duties, and uh, Dave handles all the sound effects, and uh, I handle, like, dialogue and, and ADR, and then I can also give, I've done sound design work as well, so we, we both give feedback to each other, and Dave's actually come on these ADR journeys with me as well, so we, we kind of need to be able to do each other's work, but one of the uh, big gigs is, you know, most of what you hear in the film, as you know, is... Uh, the, the microphones are pointed during the production at the actors' mouths, and that's pretty much all that's they're trying to get. And the rest is made by Dave and the sound uh, effects department. But most of the time, you know, on these big effects films, you can't use a lot of that dialogue because it's just been ruined by fan machines, or you know, someone's got a helmet helmet on, you can't hear what they're doing. Um, so I'll have to go out and grab all the actors and record them. And I, I had this idea of coming up with a way that. Because it used to be very intricate as far as the technology is concerned to, to, to put together a system to synchronize audio and video and, and timing everything to get the lip sync right and all that. And it was a very big kind of studio thing to do that. And on the, on the prequel movies, we had this uh, limitation where we couldn't do anything in the United States. So we had to do everything outside of the country for, I don't know what the actual political reasons are for that. But I determined, well, why don't we do it? in somewhere fun, like the Bahamas. So I, I or, or, and so I found um, a little music studio. Uh, Chris Blackwell from Island Records owned a little place that he used to, Bob Marley used to record in. And so I, we, we got that place, we four-walled rented that, and I brought in this, a laptop system, and we, and we did all that ADR in the Bahamas with the prequels with all the actors there. So they loved it. And so that, that actually got me a, a, sure, yeah, why not? a good gig with George. But, I try to, yeah, bringing that, I try to make the actors as comfortable as possible in, a, in an environment where they can recreate their performances. And it's because ADR is a very sterile environment. You're not there with all the actors, so a lot of it's imagination. You have to really be there. So I want to make sure it's, it's uncomfortable for them and they, can, and they can recreate what they've done before and we can do it in an environment that's fun. And, 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 and it's an opportunity to plus your performance from what you've done before. So that's and then and then to get that instantly back to the editors and Skywalker for them to be able to cut and edit and mix. And so that was kind of one of the gigs that I was doing. So uh, you guys have also been known to do a little um, uh, voice acting from time to time on some of these films as well. Yeah. Um, so uh, Matt infamously is the voice of General Grievous. Oh yeah, from Episode Three. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, but you the big tell, tell that story about how that happened. Well, that, that's a, you know, well, I'm going to get to another big story in a minute here, but the one, the one about, the, the General Grievous thing was just, was just a really quick thing, which was that character was a completely digital character, was going to be the villain of episode three, the Revenge of the Sith, and uh, ILM had created this amazing look um, uh, uh, for what the character was going to look like with this bone face and the four arms with the lightsabers and all that. We were, and we were like, who's going to voice that? And so George Lucas you know, put out this casting package with our producer, Rick McCallum, all over the world. And we kept getting auditions in all the time. And our colleague who couldn't make it tonight, uh, Chris Garabosio, our mixer, was, was part of that uh, process of recording all these actors. And at one point, I was taking acting classes, and I'd, I'd always been keeping my acting bug going. 
And he said to me on the last cat, uh, casting package that went out, he goes, "You should put your, you should do, you should do it." And I was like, "I'm not going to do that." And he's like, "No, no, no, you should put it. You you know what George wants?" Because I'd been hearing what George liked and didn't like from the different different characters, our different actors we were bringing in. So I did one, and I and I and I put it under an assumed. I just put it under the initials of each actor that we because we pro we had to process each character. You know, we had to process the voice to sound like it was coming out of a voice box in the in the in the um, in the General Grievous sort of world. And uh, I got the, so I had like 20 in the last casting package. I sent it up to George, didn't hear anything. A week or so goes by, I get this call from Rick McCallum and he says, oh Matt, George picked one. It's the initials, uh, the file name was initials AS. And so I, and I, and I was like, oh, okay. So I go to my little key and I was looking at all the different actors of what we just recorded. And I was like, oh no, that's not, there's no AS on this list. I screwed up, I don't know which one it was. And I was kind of getting, because he's like, we need it right now. ILM's got to start animating immediately. And I was like, oh my god. And I realized AS was Alan Smithy. That was my <laughs> sort of film thing for me. And I was like, oh, it's my, you know, he picked me. And I, I remember I like just started sweating like completely <laughs> instantly. And I, w I went over to lunch and I didn't call anybody back. And I went to lunch and the producer happened to be at lunch and he, he's like, it's salad bar or whatever. He's like, Matt. Why didn't you call me back? Like, what? I, we need to. What, what's with the actor? We need to get. I'm like, uh, Rick. It's it's me. What are you talking about? I'm like, I, it's my voice. He's like, well, what do you want me to do, dude? And I was like, just tell George. And so I got I got back to the office, and George called me, and he's like, Hey, Matt, I hear I hear you're grievous. <laughs> That's great. And so the <laughs> the next day he came in, and and we recorded it, and it was in there forever. So. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't believe it was real until like I, you know, until the movie came out, until it got to the point where I realized, okay, they're gonna have to spend money now to put some other voice in there. I guess it's gonna be me now. <laughs> <laughs> so then I did, told my family, and it was a big, big change for me. But, but the funny, th the, the voice stuff is fun because it's you know, in sound design, you're working with this, you know, your, your tool is your voice and you can work with all the different plugins and, and, and microphonically work with, you know, how you want to do something for an alien or a creature and, and things like that. So like there's, um, in the new uh, Mandalorian series, there's obviously Baby Yoda and all those vo vocals and creatures are this gentleman, David Acord, <laughs> right now is the voice of Baby Yoda. <laughs> but he doesn't like to talk about. But we'll see if we, we've only had one glass of wine, but we'll see if we can get him to do the baby Vody voice, if he can do the voice. It's, it's partially human voice. So oh, okay, the, okay. There's a, there's a um, bad-eared fox and a kinkajou kind of mixed in. It's a little bit of everything, but yeah. And the, David Acord. Yeah. <laughs> it's, not, it's not happening, Glenn. <laughs> <laughs> we know the sounds of the Star Wars universe very, very well. Uh, after you know, living with all these films for so long, and a lot of us had toys that made those sounds. Yeah. <laughs> so, how much of this stuff are you in the in the the new films that you're working on? Are you able to draw from the like the original, the old libraries, and how much are you having to recreate from scratch? Well, I think it's um, it's scene to scene, and and it, it, you know, for instance, the, the Falcon. You're not really going to recreate the Millennium Falcon. It reuse almost all classic sounds from the Falcon, with the exception of the, the turret gun. We wanted to update the turret gun. Um, the original turret gun sound was a, a 50 caliber gun uh, that had 
it was a sort of older recording. It wasn't one that Ben had recorded. It was an old library sound. And so it was a pretty ancient sounding recording. It wouldn't really work. And it was just the a, film. It was just a straightforward. It was yeah, that's it. Artillery gun. Just a, yeah, it's an old fifty cal gun. So just I just you know recorded a new fifty cal gun. That's basically all it is. It's just sort of the same. It's the same recipe with different ingredients. And I think that's kind of the trick, I guess, for some of the Star Wars stuff is if you want to create something that's in line with what's existing, it, it's it's sort of using that methodology to unravel the recipe, like for a TIE fighter, unravel what that is. It's a, the elephant scream and uh, the sort of race car on wet cement sound. That's the sort of the, the roots of what the TIE fighter pass by sound is. So we make some of our, our, our own using that same recipe. Um, and we used a lot of that stuff in episode seven. I made some newer ones for episode nine. There are TIE fighters in episode nine. I hope that's not You can't spoiler. tell people that. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, and then there's obviously tons of brand new material, things we've never seen before, and that's when you get to kind of, um, uh, that's actually trickier in a way because you want to create something that is wholly new, but also has to live in the same universe, in the same universe yeah. as all those other classic legacy sounds and nouveau legacy sounds that you've done. Well, and I remember, um, you know, on the, the special editions, uh, it was a big issue because the technology has changed and also... Um, you know, th those original, f a lot of that original stuff is not in that great shape yeah. from, a, from a sound perspective. We, uh, interestingly enough, just recently, uh, this, in this last year, we did an Atmos upmix of episodes one through six. And we wanted to, well, we'd always, you know, the original films, obviously the first movie, when it came out, they never knew it was going to be this giant success. So the mix was actually done on a night shift. It was very fast and... Um, so going through those masters, the original film, episode four, uh, when we had to remaster for both DVD, we did a theatrical remaster in 97, then DVDs in 2004, then Blu-rays in 2011, and then we had a, a 4K up mix that we just did recently. So all those, I've always tried to go back to the original sources and try to get the best quality version re-record it into our system with the new A to D converters and get it all, you know, so it's going to be the most high fidelity. Then you got to represent this mix that has been done. And that the mix that was done back then is a piece of artwork. I mean, they did those things without automation. They just had grease pencil marks on their faders and they went through and they performed these mixes that weren't perfect. I mean, there was a lot of errors and problems and all that in there. Well, I remember having lunch yeah. with Ben Burt one time yeah. when he was telling me about the mix process and I, it just blew my mind that they couldn't punch in. Yeah. So they were mixing the first Star Wars movie in 10-minute reels, and they would mix. It was a live performance yeah. of the entire 10-minute reel. Yeah. And he was telling me, like, you know, you'd get to, be like, 9 minutes and 45 seconds, and, like, you, like your sweat's coming yeah. off. Because like, you're like, I can't, you know, because yeah. if, you, if you screw it up, you gotta, you got to go back. Yeah, yeah. It's, and, the, and the funny thing is, is, I mean, these movies, I don't think there's any other movie that, because Dave and I worked on the, the DVD in 2004, and that's when we wanted to go back. Because the 97... I'm kind of getting off in the weeds here, but the 97 uh, release, they only just took the original mix and just kind of put it into the theater and there wasn't much time and they did that. But in 2004 for the DVD, I was like, hey, we have the sources, the original sources, we found some better sources of the material in the archives that we could use. But we had to reconstruct that entire mix from the original elements and go through and listen to the movie in 30 second chunks and go through and say, okay, they did this, they did this, they did this. And it, it, it was... I mean, there's no other movie I think that I, we both could have done that to because we 
knew the original one so well as children, you know, it's like in our DNA to listen to it where something was wrong or not. But but then, funnily enough, as you re-release these movies over and over again, you have such a, a uh, enthusiastic fan response of what you put out that like <laughs> that there could be um, like um, there was one moment in uh, when all the X wings are attacking the Death Star where. I guess we went a little too high with the sound, with the sound effects as the ships were coming in, and it drowned out one phrase of John Williams' music that was just a huge response. Like you can't hear the, the you know the attack the cello on the attack run anymore, and like they screwed up the whole mix, you know. So you want you want to go through. We've had the luxury of going back and you know listening to that and fixing those things, but. But the four the four K remaster. Star Wars fans are they're passionate. They're very passionate. passionate I, I, hey, I would be exactly doing the same thing. I think probably if I wasn't working on them. But uh, <laughs> the uh, yeah the four K one for the Atmos. You know, Chris Carabosio was involved. Uh, he mixed it, and so I went through with him, and, and we we took time going through every movie. But we wanted to make sure it was going to be tasteful to the balance that was created in the original releases of the movie. The director's intent was going to be there, but you're taking advantage of the new format. You know, we have this new, you know, dynamic uh, range for one in the in the surrounds and all that, and we wanted to make sure it was going to still, our, you know, get the story forward. And it's that balance. So we didn't want to like throw things up in the top just for the hell of it. You know, we wanted to make it sound like it was intended, and but just spread it out. And that was a really fun process for those films. I'm together. sure. Well, I, the it's it's fun to be having this conversation, having been at Skywalker Sound and now at Dolby, because you know Star Wars is very important to Dolby. Um, the first movie in 77 was really the first wide release using Dolby Stereo. And there's a great history of technical innovation around the Star Wars films from an audio Dolby perspective. Dolby EX was Phantom Menace. It yeah. was the very first, yes. Uh, and and, uh, and um, Force Awakens was, uh, I think, one of the very first releases in Dolby Vision. So it's, uh, I, I'm, I'm curious, I don't know if you guys can, uh, if you can just... Give us a little hint, like, uh, what are some nice Atmos mo moments in the, in, the, in the new film that we should be, uh, we should be paying attention to? Uh, in the new film? Um, when everyone dies at that part. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, wait, what? Get these guys some more wine. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, I don't know how to phrase that without giving anything I away. I mean, we, we mi <laughs> yeah. Uh, we 100% mix in native Atmos, so, I mean, everything is, everything's touching that, those, those, Speakers. I mean, it's it's, you know, we don't. It's the full range surrounds. I think that we always love the yeah. most with with Atmos is having, when something moves around the room or moves from front to back, it doesn't kind of diminish as it does. Right. You know, it, it's it's all the same frequency range. We love that. Well, and you guys use that to such great effect. And you know, to your point, it's not just technology for technology's sake. But there was that wonderful sequence in the last film and the the what was that the like the the cave of. Reflection. Oh yeah, we're yeah. raised oh, yeah. in the in the dark side sort of cave moment there. Yeah, like a lot of that was, yeah, very much uh, Atmos related. And I think, um, yeah, I, we it, when it first when Atmos first hit, I know we were like, oh, we really have to hit those top speakers. We got it, like you know, and, we, and it was kind of thing we really wanted to hit. But now it's, you know, the tools are so integrated into our process that it's it's easy to just use it as. You know, we know it's there, and, and and we don't have to like you know it's not it's not gimmicky where we have to do that. We can actually use it as part of our regular filmmaking uh, storytelling device, and so and there's 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 a lot of elements we've 
There's a lot of Atmos going on in, in, in Nine. We'll, 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 we we'll, be, so, we'll, yeah. we'll be careful to pay special attention to the Atmos <laughs> yes. in, the, in, the, in the new film. So I want to follow up on something that you touched on, uh, Matthew, which is um, the you know, John Williams score. Uh, these movies are very, very, very score-heavy. Yes. Uh, if, if, the, if a Star Wars movie is 130 minutes long, there's probably 138 minutes of score. There's a lot of score, yeah. So what? Uh, how, talk to a little bit about the challenges that that pre pre uh, presents to you guys as sound designers in terms of kind of balancing that out and obviously carving out room for some of this amazing sound design that you guys do. I, I think, it, and you know, Dave can speak to this too, that, that w we cover everything in the movie like there's not going to be music. I mean, everything is covered in case that happens because a lot of the time when you're temping a movie and putting it together in editorial, you know, you might temp the entire movie with music, so you're going to have that in there the entire time. And so when the composer actually gets to the, when John Williams gets to it, he's going to also do the same thing. So, but there were several occasions in our film, in not in this recent one, where we were like, you know what? Let's try this section without music. And let's try this section without music. So you have to be prepared. Dave's got to have all his material in place and all his editors have to have his material in place. And so there's a few sequences. And I, I mean, I know we can't talk about nine, but I'm wondering if there's something in seven, if we can remember if that was a section that we took music out. Well, there's, there's in, in eight, there's that wonderful moment when you know she makes the jump to light speed. Through yes, the, and, the Holdo maneuver. And you guys actually yeah. take yeah. most of the track out completely. Yeah, Ryan was into that. He liked that section we on um, Attack of the Clones when we did this section where there was a this asteroid chase and Django Fett's going after Obi-Wan and Obi-Wan launches these seismic or sonic charges out of his back of his ship and blows up and we went to silence for a minute. Um, we kind of took that and amped it up to turbo for on eight and did it in a few moments in the movie that seemed to be working. But that, that section where you're talking about where Holdo sacrifices herself to take out the First Order that was a long, I think it was like, I can't even, it was like 15 seconds or something of like <laughs> silence to the point where they had to release a little flyer that said, this is not an error. When, when, it, came, when it came out in the theaters, they were like, that's, you know, because people were uh, wondering about that. Well, people are stupid. <laughs> um, we do have, we do have one scene. Oh, let's do it. From yeah. episode nine. Okay, great. Um, tell us a little bit about what's happening in that scene. Speeder chase. <laughs> Desert speeder chase. So, yes, that's um, I guess a tricky thing from a sound design perspective in that scene is you've got those uh, stormtrooper bikes, those tread bikes, uh, jetpack guys. We've got two different speeders. Ray as a speeder and Poe as a speeder. Um, and as the scene sort of progresses, as you can imagine, we're kind of cutting between these different vehicles and these different moments. So they all have to have a distinct sound, but there are moments when they're together on screen at the same time, so they, ha they can't like uh, uh, clash with each other either. They have to sort of work together as well. So it's about sort of having a, the right frequencies and, and the right sort of uh, timber of each sound to sort of um, be specific about what it is, but not uh, it can't be too similar or too dissimilar from the, the thing next to it. That's a really... That's a mouthful, but uh, so yeah, that was a bit of a tricky thing uh, is, is making that speeder chase. And then all the while, there's music that you have to sort of contend with as well, a whole different um, sort of spectrum of frequencies to to, to deal with. And that's the section. That's the section where we did end 
that that the end of that, which you'll see in the movie, it, it, we did remove music. That's true. Yeah, the last sort of. Well, chunk. actually, in the begin the beginning of the Be scene, there's no music. I can't remember. Just go out of the music I mean, and back I, in. We, I can't remember now. We, we, this, these th movies come together so quickly. <laughs> yeah, like, tell us a little yeah. bit. You guys just finished. We this just thing. finished. Literally, yeah. I, I literally got back from London doing the foreign mixes uh, this last weekend. So we are. Um, yeah. It's officially done, right? I guess. Yeah. Sure. So it's coming out soon. Yeah, <laughs> we're, done. Friday, we're done. Yeah. We're done. <laughs> it's done. You're, it's you're here, so you yes. must be. I done. guess we're done. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Congratulations. I can't Thank wait. You. To, Thank I you. I can't wait to Very see it. Very excited for everyone to see it. Uh, just one last thing I wanted to uh, wrap up with, which is um, I feel like to a very real degree, like all three of us are sitting here because of George Lucas. Totally. Um, you know, and and not just because of Star Wars, although that's a huge part of obviously your guys' career. You mean the time he dragged us out of the water when he saved us from that boat wreck? <laughs> when he saved our lives? That... Maybe I was drunk. I don't remember that. Oh, okay. So. Anyway, uh, but here's a guy. Here's a guy who has, you know, invested many, many, many millions of dollars of his own money into this company, Skywalker Sound, into building this place for artists to work and 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 to do amazing sound work. But I'm curious for you guys, like Matthew, did you ever have any any conversations with George about like why? What was his passion about sound, and why is it so important to him? He, well, he considers himself a sound guy because he did work. He did sound uh, in his early career. And he always loved that as a storytelling device. He considered it to be, I mean, he has that classic quote where he said it's half, you know, 50% of your experience in the movie theater is sound. And uh, he really took advantage of that as far as like he drove his story forward. And he, you know, I, I think he loves post-production. He loves the editorial process and sound has this ability with music. And he, he was able to hook up with John Williams early in his career. And that was an incredible pairing right there. And he uh, always just looked at it as a, a huge opportunity to drive the story forward. And um, yeah, Skywalker Sound is one of the most magical places to work ever. And I've, that's why I've been there for 30 years. I've never left because it's just such a beautiful place. And he put a bunch of his profits of Star Wars into making this beautiful place for employees to work. And and uh, it's it's caused creativity to thrive. And it's I, I'm very... We're both, yeah, all of us, very fortunate to have been part of that. So that's, yeah, very, very, very always 100% respectful and humbled by what George Lucas created. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's open up and take a couple questions. Anybody get? We have lights in our eyes, so we have a hard time seeing. I, s I think I see a hand right here, yeah. So, uh, about like the old episodes, the Disney Plus uh, fix kind of like for, for the new platform. Yes. Uh, McClunky? Are you talking about McClunky? Yeah. yeah. What is, what is, why? No, no, what is, what is the meaning of the... McClunky? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking about, the, so, yeah, so George, when we uh, finished the... Uh, we, you, you're going you're gonna to wait into this? <laughs> why not? Sure. So we, uh, we were working on, what were we doing? What were we working? So we, the company had been... Just breathe. <laughs> Sold. <laughs> the company had been sold, uh, and we were just uh, George was doing a QC sort of cleanup pass uh, on on the 4K version of Star Wars that had never been scanned at this high level of scanning, and so we went through and did that, and and we had already remastered. We'd spent you know years remastering the movies for the 2011 Blu-ray, so they were pretty solid in how they sounded, and he and 
on on a particular day when we were working with George, he came up to me and he said, hey, um, so those 4K masters, I just finished the visual part of it. And I was like, okay, great. There's going to be a minor change in Reel 3 uh, in Episode 4. And I, I was like, uh, Guido? It's <laughs> like, who told you? And I'm like, uh, no, I just guessed because I know that that's the reel he's in. So I got the reel and I looked at it. And yeah, he had, he had inserted a shot of a close-up of Greedo right before the shot. And then he had changed the timing of the lasers to be exactly at the same time now. So they both shoot at the same time. So we've had, we remastered it from, you know, there was the original release, there was the 97 change, there was the 2004 DVD change, there was the 2011 Blu-ray change, and now this is the 2014 4K change. So the funny thing was, he, ju he just repeated a, a phrase of Greedo in there from earlier in the, in the take, and I was like, well, we can't do that. Like, you, you, you can't, it's not, you it's know, like all, it doesn't, it grammatically doesn't make exactly. sense. Exactly. You know, it's Hatties and all that. So the, the actor, uh, Larry Ward, who, who was the voice actor for Greedo, who's this linguist that worked with Ben back in the 70s, I went back to his original source tape and I went through and listened to the whole thing and I found one word that was not used <laughs> in the other thing and it was him saying, McClunky. <laughs> so then I cut that in there. And I told George, hey, I changed, the, I changed the word that you put in there. I put in this other word. He's like, oh, well, that, I'm not subtitling it anyway. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to just mean, like, I have you now, or, you know, you're, you know, it was like a statement that was like a colloquial, you're, you're, you're going to die now kind of thing. So that's what's in there. And then the funny thing was is I had to go through on all the 20 different foreign versions of that and change... Not McClunky, because that was a, you know, obviously a, an alien dialect, so it doesn't need to be translated. But I had to go into all the different versions, because it used to be, yes, I bet you have, and then bam, he would be shot. So the, the sound effect of the gunshot was right over the end of Han saying, yes, I bet you have. <laughs> so I had to, we didn't have split masters on all the foreign, so I had to go through and find whatever the equivalent of have was in every foreign language of Han Solo and find that syllable somewhere, hopefully, that that originally was done somewhere and pull that and so I could split have off to put in the McClunky on all of those. So yeah, so that sat on the you shelf guys, you forever. Guys, you, guys, you guys think the film business is so glamorous. That, that sat on the <laughs> shelf forever. So I knew when it was gonna come out on Disney Plus, I'm like, oh, here we go. Like it's, and it's certainly right out, yeah. McClunky. I, I love that stuff, to be honest. I love that the fans are paying attention and people are passionate and people wanna, you know, I, I see something different. I want to talk about it. All so right. It's great. Well, anyway, long-winded answer. Sorry. I didn't know that, so I learned something new as well. McClunky, which, by McClunky. the way, is going to be like, we, we, we want to put that on everything now. <laughs> we should just all get McClunky tattoos. Yes. Uh, one, let's take one more question. Yes, right here. So, I'm a professional opera singer. My husband is a sound designer. Lovely. And we have many fights about who gets the last word in a uh, film. Does the musician or the sound designer get the final word in the dramatic <laughs> interpretation? Uh, wow, that's a good question. It's a really good question. And I, it depends on the is, scene. Is the, is the composer, we're talking about John Williams? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, um, yeah, well, yeah, John Williams is going to win every time. Uh, it it kind of depends on the scene. Uh, I, I think it depends on what the scene calls for. It's, you know, it's a storytelling um, question. What, what, who is telling the story in that moment? Is the music telling the story? Is, is, or is the music there as a supporting role to the sound effects? Or neither. Maybe it's just a dialogue moment. You know, uh, 
there, or maybe in some cases silence is, 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 yeah. is sort of better. And he's John Williams is a super gracious, wonderful man. I mean, he comes to our mixes when we we do the final mix uh, of this JJ films to do it at, at, at Fox, and he comes to some of our playbacks. And he'll even he'll say it. He'll he, he'll he'll you know JJ. Um, I can't do John Williams' voice. He's just I can't Please do it. Don't. But he calls JJ baby. He does. Yeah, he does. Call, he calls everybody baby. He calls everybody baby. But yeah. what I love is we get to call him Maestro, which is like so I know, awesome. It's so cool to be able to call <laughs> Maestro. Yeah, it's like it's amazing. But he uh, so he'll he'll say you know what might be good here is just you know no music. We could probably take that out right there. We could remove this music here. And he's very gracious about that. So he's it's not nice, like he's like everything guy. needs yeah. to be heard. Um, and if it, yeah, if it calls for it or not, because it, having the absence of that music at that moment might just enhance it later down the road when it comes back in again, and it's even more powerful. So it's just yeah, as, as Dave said, it's totally dependent on the scene, but it's a it's a symbiotic relationship. It's a give and take, you know. Baby. So please, yeah, yeah. Of course, the, <laughs> make it work. Of course, the real the real answer to your question is that the director has the final say exactly. about it, yeah. what is going to lead yeah. in any particular sequence. So that's all the time we have. Uh, I could go for another hour, but unfortunately, uh, we got we got to wrap this up. David, Matthew, thank you so much for doing thank this. Thank you. Can't wait yeah. to see the film. Thank you to Dolby.